Welcome to the Best Hour of Their Day podcast with your hosts, Jason Fernandez. And me, Jason Ackerman. With more than 20 years in the business, as both coaches and affiliate owners, our passion is to help create world-class affiliates and coaches by building better boxes. Welcome to the best hour of your day. Welcome back. Best hour of their day. It's always strange when we go from these live episodes to virtual again. Sucks. But we're happy you guys are happy you guys are listening. Yeah, the ver- the uh, in person ones are so much better. I can't wait for this. These these episodes we just did in Colorado, they're gonna be they're gonna be pretty pretty badass. Which was your favorite, guys? I think Nicole Christensen. You know what? I mean, Tosh was great. Um, yeah, you know, I talked to you also. I posted a, that picture from Nicole last night. They were very night. different. They were very different podcasts. For sure. But I posted that picture of Nicole last night, and then I'm like, I don't want to say it was my favorite because we had so many great inter- – I mean, we had Tosh, Justin Berg, Kevin Ogar, like some amazing interviews. Yeah, I mean, Amal, like great interviews. Yeah. Obviously, you'll see them all, but I think the reason we all enjoyed that Nicole one so much is it wasn't about who she is. Like, obviously – we respect her. She's well known in our circle, but it was just literally four OGs talking OG stuff. But like every time you do that, it comes back to the realization and reminds you of like, hey, do the basics, do them well, and uphold the standard, as she kept saying. Standard is a standard. The standard is the damn standard. And you're not anyway. Special. And you're not special. Speaking of that, Katie, what did Fern say to you? Um, I was just, I told Jay yesterday, Fern, how when we were talking in Jay's garage, when he went inside to go to the bathroom, I made us all wait outside in Best Hour CrossFit. Um, and I made a comment about yeah. how cold it was. And you it's told me to stop which complaining. Was not great customer <laughs> service. Um, yeah. Just everything about outside. everything, everything about the experience at Best Hour of their day was really subpar. Best Hour CrossFit. Um, yeah, I didn't want you guys to join. Hence, my plan worked. By the way. You guys came like literally the four worst days of the year because you left Friday. That afternoon, I was working out outdoors, shirt off, as well as Saturday and Sunday, and I'm about to do it later today as well. So yeah, I'm not buying it's it. Just, it's you saw the pictures. I sent you the yeah. pictures. No. We talked about this on the on the podcast with Dave Kalina. He's just like, oh, he's like, oh, then we had the hundred year storm and then the fuck world burned down. I'm like, this place sucks. I don't know why everybody wants to move here. Like, dude, speaking of cross the roots. Check that out. Cross the root shirt. But it's nice out. It was nice out, and it still is today. Anyway, let's dig in. Fern's got daddy duty. What's up? Logan's got to get some teeth pulled. Oh, no. They're just falling out at an alarming rate at this point. Is she dropping uh, them down I, the sink, or is she keeping them off? No, we've managed to keep the other ones. Um, although I feel <laughs> like the, the tooth fairy has been charging more money for these lately. Um, what, what, is a, what does a tooth go for these days? Papa, I think at least a dollar. Um, Dude, I was getting a dollar like in the eighties. You got to be given Logan. Come on, I know what you're getting paid. You can go at least two dollars. We're teaching capitalism. You don't just get paid to do nothing. (laughs) I remember I did actually used to get a two dollar bill. Hey, and by the way, I pulled the tooth out. So who who's getting paid here? Fair enough. Maybe Logan owes you. But I yeah, my dad used to give me two dollar bills. 
do you, Katie, what's the deal with $2 bills? $2 bills? Like a one bill that's worth $2? No, no. She doesn't even know that there, there is oh my goodness. $2 bills. Do you really not know that there's a thing? Well, it's it's very rare, if we're going to be very honest. Yeah, but why do they make them? Do they they print them every year, right? Oh, I have no idea. If you give Somebody's... somebody a $2 bill, though, they're going to look at you with you, like you have two it, heads. You may as well give them a dollar coin, right? Like, what's up with that one, too? Like... There's an issue. Look. So we, so the vending machine that we have that I'm trying to get rid of, not because of any other reason. We just like went moved into a new process, but like it takes dollar coins and it gives change in dollar coins. That's the worst. That is the so worst you, when you buy. If you wanted to buy something that was a dollar and it was and you put a five dollar bill in there, you're getting four one dollar coins back. <laughs> um, a two dollar bill. They were issued in 1862. They are highly collectible and worth at least a hundred dollars in well circulated condition. That doesn't even there's make no, sense. Yeah, there's no way a two dollar bill is worth a hundred dollars. Well, because I guess when it was, they're so rare. Yeah, maybe a bill from the 1800s, like all of them are. Then, but like you can get modern day two dollar bills. That's oh. like coins. Yeah, which, which which just leads me to the whole discussion that money is fake. You're like this twenty five cent coin is worth four hundred and eighty five dollars. I'm like, I don't think you know how this works. I've been telling you to get some Bitcoin for quite some time. This Bitcoin's is down like a. 50% over the past three months. It's on sale, baby. Buy it now. It, look, today's January 31st. I hope they regulate it. The next, I actually, I don't hope they regulate it. I hope, I only hope they regulate it for the sake of you losing money. That's the only reason I hope they regulate it. Regulate it won't crush it, but for someone like it's you, not, it's not going to help it. It's not going to help it. It won't, but it just shows that it's real. It's been real. I was on the Bitcoin train in like 2000 and. 11 bro how many bitcoins you go you back have? and look at my instagram feed yeah. when i was just I, I posted something on there about the, the the first time i heard about this like well before that i think and then there were the i was watching it was the bitcoin bowl for college football season i was like what yeah and i had been yeah. tinfoil hatting like way before that yet you still don't have any which it's at that time bad. you would be oh you don't know what i have you don't know what i have i know you don't have any bitcoin yeah. this is I a great segue have... into our topic today good point <laughs> How so? It's not. Knowing what, just, knowing what you're talking about. Yeah, knowing what you're talking about. Yeah. It's like, well, good thing I know what I'm talking about. What are we talking about? Points of performance. That Jay doesn't know. I know them all. I can name them so all. So I just got off of a level two. So I'll test you, Jay. Points of performance, air squat, go. Come on, dude. Come on. This is what I'm somebody does king. when they're trying to think. This is what I am the king of the points of performance of the air squat. Heels, yeah. knees, depth, arch, line of action. Well, that's definitely not how it's uh, written in the level one manual, yeah. but I'll give you I'm that reworking idea. it. I got to email Nicole later and tell her we're changing it. <laughs> Listen, that's fine, James. Um, the We're just going to make our own stuff. Um, no, but so this is a... <laughs> I got yeah. your reference. I got yeah, your it took a little bit, but I'm glad you <laughs> caught on. Um, the... This comes up, so you, you, I could almost go so far as to say this: A, if you haven't taken level two, don't be silly. Just go take your your level two. Okay. It's I don't understand worth. the delay. To be quite um, honest, I think I it's a little bit fear. I think it's a little bit of uh, lethargy, or just you know. Here, I'm gonna I'm gonna play devil's advocate for a moment. Maybe we're not doing a good enough job as a brand expressing the importance and value 
to attending your level two. I said it. I said it. And then, you know, uh, maybe, I, I mean, think, yeah, I think, I think content helps. Um, no, but where I was going with that is you, you can almost take every coaching piece almost that somebody would get feedback in a level two setting and revert that back and in reverse engineer it and come to the conclusion that this is a result of you not knowing the points of performance, whether we're talking group management, presence and attitude, seeing, correcting, demonstration. It all comes back to what we, so if we, if we, in the uh, foundations of effective training lecture, we, we talk about teaching and that's internal. So there's two pieces of that there's internal knowledge, which is points of performance, faults, progressions. And then there's external, which is how that is communicated, which gets communicated in a lot of ways. It gets communicated verbally. It gets communicated with um, my plan for how I'm going to progress through a series of teaching movements or progressions. It, uh, it can be how you lay out the classroom. It can be, it can be based on what you emphasize for the day but it all comes back to the points of performance. And the crazy part is there's really not that many of them and people fail to know them every single time. And it, every time I do that, we can, I just walk the dog back from there. And I'm like, so if what you teach will then emphasize what you focus on, will then emphasize where your eyes go, which will then emphasize what you cue which can also be overlaid into how you manage the group, meaning how I move around. How I move around the group is dictated by the points of performance. So my challenge to everybody is like, you need to go back and you need to learn all of those. Uh, and I was like, I, there was a guy at the course, good dude, and who I've, I've, I've done some work with in the past. And I kind of put him on the spot. He was going through, he was teaching the, uh, shout out Kirk, he was teaching the push press. And I asked him, I was like, hey, like we're just gonna do this. I was like, I'm 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 you and I are comfortable. I'm gonna put you on the spot. Points of performance for the push press. He was like, feet under the hips. And I was like, no. <laughs> hands hands uh, outside the shoulders. Hands outside the shoulder. And I was like, no. And and That's I a and mistake I, so many people make, by the way, just you ask for the points of performance and they start going into the setup. Yeah, stance and grip. And which I get, right? And, and I'm I'm fully empathetic to the fact that this is a, you know, kind of a pressure situation and it's in front of other people. And it was kind of an off the cuff question, but my contention is it should matter. Like you should know that stuff because if you're using mental resources to, for, to search for that information now, I for sure can guarantee that you're using those same resources when you should be giving a cue. Right. And that's, and that's where I want to work back from there is your ability to have, to, to be efficient with regard to seeing, correcting, general speech, how you move around the room, all of those things are predicated in how much time I have to, t have to take to recall information that should be readily available. Well, you know, I think a good analogy there would be, you know, you and I watch a lot of the comedy specials on Netflix or these other channels, right? And you watch a really great comedian and imagine if they had to stumble for the words like they've got their material down so tight that now they can be really funny. Now they can veer off in different paths. Presence and attitude. Heckles them, right. right. And, and work no it way back. Yeah. And, and no different than our lectures, right? The first time you give a lecture, we talked with Kevin Ogar about this at Watchtower. 
you know, you're just studying and you're basically going to repeat the lecture verbatim like you're reading a book. Second one, I'll, spy, I'll throw in one joke, right? Third one, maybe a second one. But it's the same here. Like if you understand the points of performance in this case or just the material, the content, and I think that's really what we're getting at, right, Fern? Like, how are you a coach if you don't know the content? Like, this is the only content you need to know because, like you said, the teaching, the seeing, the correcting, even the group management and presence and attitude all comes from knowing that because otherwise you're just a circus clown with, a, you know, keeping it fun and organizing the group, but you're not actually leading anything. Well, I was listening to Joe Rogan talk about this. I forget who he was talking to, but he he was he was discussing the comedians, and I don't remember what the context of the discussion was about. But he he was delineating between somebody who's really good and somebody who's not, and he was the delineation largely had to do with the economy of words. So, mm -hmm. with regard to a joke, he was just, he was explaining that a, a well executed joke only has so many words. If you have too many words, then you give away the punchline, it, or they will come to a different conclusion than you. It would, at which point it ruins the uh, it ruins the joke. And I would argue that coaching is the same. If I'm giving too many words, or I'm giving too much information, what it lends itself to is somebody coming to the wrong conclusion, or they're spending resources trying to solve a, a riddle that I accidentally made rather than just paying attention and doing what I told them so that they can just follow the story along. And I think if you do this well, and for the, for the record, this does take practice. However, my contention is that it doesn't take nearly as much practice as people think it does. I think you could be a, just a point of performance, fault, progression, stud or stud at I don't, is there a female version of that i don't know whatever if you if you if you if you focus on that for two weeks if well, you spend 15 minutes a day 15 minutes a day going over those things for two weeks you would know them cold at which point i wouldn't need to think about them anymore because then i could easily lay them into my plan and it would be it would be cemented into my brain and i'd say okay uh you know okay i'm i'm doing the dip and hold for the push press and that is intended to highlight vertical torso which is the first point of performance so it layers over okay i'm using the progression but why am i using the progression i'm using the progression to highlight a point of performance at which point okay well i'm doing this because i know that the vertical torso shoulders stacked over hips is the main, well, not the main, is one of the point of performance for the push press. So I teach that and then therefore I look for it. And then therefore when it is incorrect, because I know that those two faults are forward or muted, then I correct it. And then this also dictate, dictates how I move around to see the fault, ergo group management. And, but it all goes back to what are the points of performance? If you don't have that information, the rest of it is a moot point. It doesn't matter. All of the other stuff is irrelevant information. Yeah, I think you, where you and I differ is you get worked up, not worked up, but you know your premise is like these are important, and my premise is always like I don't understand how coaches don't know these. Like so many coaches out there, and probably well, many that are listening – Good. Well, you know, they want to supposedly be a great coach. They want to get a level two, a level three, a level four. You know, they they want to maybe open their own box one day. And it's like, this is the 
minimal work requirement. You know, like you talk about it at the games, like you have to do at least 15 thrusters to get a score. Like if you don't even know the points of performance of the nine foundational movements, like if you're listening right now, you know whether you know them or not. And if you don't, I would tell you, like, you don't actually care about coaching or somewhere along the way you got misguided and thought coaching is X when it's really Y. Because the other thing about everything you're saying, Fern, is you can do this at home. You can literally be on your toilet pooping, learning the points of performance. You don't have to be coaching in a, right. in a box. Like, you can, you know, haven't pulled up on your phone a screensaver made and just study them because – it's everything you're going to do. And I know there will be some listeners that are like, but it's only the nine foundational movements. Guess what? You learn the There's sumo del of tie pull. Yeah. And you learn the overhead squat. You now have the points of performance for the snatch. Timing, you know, high elbow position, active shoulders in the receiving position. Like right. you have that from there. And it's it's just simply the basics. Let's, you know, let, let's dive into uh, before you do that. Yeah, I'm happy to do that. We can we can list them out if you'd like. The I don't know. Um, I don't want to list them out. I want to show people the value in what you're saying, which is if you learn these, look at the six criteria. We've got it on lockdown. Well, where I was going, this is I don't think that I think it's because people don't really understand the why it's I think if, if people really grasp the why this is important and what that would yield, they would spend more time on it. And it seems ridiculous, but I'm like, listen, if you learn the points of performance, which by default, you kind of know the faults at that point. Like you would need to put a little time in there, but it's really easy if you just start with the points of performance. Just know the points of performance. Like the opposite of that is now a fault. Okay, that's your answer. Everything else is easier. Everything is easier. Teaching is easier and simpler. Seeing is easy and simpler. Correcting is easy and simpler. Group management is easy and simpler. Presence and attitude is easy and simpler. Demonstration now becomes easy and simpler simply because I have the baseline grasp of the points of performance of these movements. And you're like, well, what about the points? Like they're, they're not there just because they're there. They're not there for the sake of just having them. They're based on mechanical adva advantage, functionality, and safety. That's why we need to know them. And if you just spend that time and this is what I was kind of talking to a group about this weekend. I'm like, do you guys want this to be fun? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, right, it should be fun. It will not be fun until you know this. It will not. There is no scenario in which it is fun because you're not going to be good at it. You might be fooling yourself into I'm having a good time. But you know what's fun? My dad used to have this running joke like in high school. It's, a, it's like still a joke between me and my friends and like many, many guys that played for him. Um I think it might have been a junior senior, doesn't matter. But one of the younger guys on the team, like we had just lost a game, and one of I don't know, he was yelling at us for something, but because like we just want to have fun, coach. And his response was, he's like, fun, winning is. He's fun. like, he's like, fun, fuck fun. He's like, you know what's fun? Winning is fun. He's like, that's what's fun. I don't care if you're having fun because if you're winning, you're having fun. So you're trying to have fun absent of winning and that's not how sports work and to take that analogy and roll it over to coaching you know what's fun being good at something that's what's fun this is when you get to interact with people and this is when you get to really deep dive and talk about the things like forward family occupation recreation and dreams it becomes fun when i've done my homework so that i can free up my brain to actually interact with the human beings that are standing in front of me 
that's when it becomes fun. That's when impact really starts to happen. When they, when there is a problem presented to me, either by the athlete's movement or they have a question that I have the answer to, that's fun. Improving people's movement is fun. Improving people's fitness is fun. That is fun. Running a clock is not fun. I can do that anywhere, anytime, and have no impact on anybody. But really digging into the art of coaching, that's fun. In order to do that, there's some things that we need to know, starting with the points of performance. Yeah, and that's what I was getting at. I think there's just a disconnect for some reason. I think, like, I, I, I will say this is part of it. The journey to be on seminar staff required us to really learn those, not just for the lectures. Obviously we give the lectures weekend after we 300 times, you know, the press lecture, the devil. So they just become ingrained. But even prior to that, I think it was just understood. Hey, you want to make it on staff. You need to be great at the circle, you know, the breakout groups and to get great at the breakout groups, you need to learn the points of performance. So we just kind of understood that. Hence my coaches did. Hence your coaches did. But for some reason, I think the average coach out there who doesn't, you know, takes the level one and they just go back to their affiliate and start coaching. No one's there telling them like, these are the basics for a reason and they're vital. Like, cause here's what I want to do. What I was going to get at is let's take a, let's take one such as, um, let's take the push press This is a great example, right? So yeah. we, we know the points of performance of the push press are relative to the, you know, the torso angle, the timing of the movement and the speed of the movement. Those are the points of performance in the push press, right? I We didn't talk before More specifically, this. vertical torso, quarter extremity, and then speed and timing, yes. Yeah, we use the words, you know, we simplify, that's my heels, knees, depth, arch, line of action. It's just my way of remembering them, but I know I know where to look at for, for the faults and, and, and also to see if they're being done well. So walk us through what that looks like, Fern. You, you say, well, it makes this, you know, group management well, it makes presence and attitude easier, even, you know, to some extent, you can argue demonstration, right? Because if I know the points of performance, I'm going to try to hit them. Right. And then obviously, you know, teaching, seeing, and correcting. One thing I have said multiple times over the years is, and I, you know, I could probably speak for you as well. It's like, we don't see movement better than you. We know where to look better than you. And because we know where to look, we see the faults. Like, can I tell that someone's vertical torso is like cantilevered at one degree forward? Probably not. But because I'm looking there, I'm going to be more likely to notice it and see it than the average person. I was just thinking about this because the, the points of performance, think of them as like the rules of the game. If I know the rules of the game, now I know how to operate with inside of the game. But if you don't know the rules of the game, let's just say basketball. If you didn't know that there was out of bounds, you know that it's 94 feet long by 50 feet wide and that the, you know, the free throw line is 15 feet and it's 10 foot high goal. And then if you put it in there, it's two points. And then it's three points. If you shoot it behind this line, well then you're just running around like an idiot, right? Like maybe throwing the basketball instead of dribbling it because you have to dribble it while you run. So when we're talking about the points of performance, those are the rules of the game. And if I know the rules of the game, well then it's much more easy for me to navigate. I know if I violate this rule, then I have to give the ball to the other team. So if I don't know the rules with regard to the push press, that in order to do this correctly, that I need a vertical torso. And that and when I go through the extension portion of, of this, that I need to have make sure that the knees and the hips extend before the bar leaves and hands off to the hands. And that that 
timing at the bottom of the dip is actually what allows us to move this efficiently. Well, if I know that those are the rules of the game, well, then I craft how I teach this based on the rules of the game. So I'm going to teach it. I'm like, hey, guys, well, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to set you guys up like this because it allows me to see better, right? Because I want to see vertical torso in the push press. Well, I'm not going to stand head on to see vertical torso because that would be stupid. I'm not going to be able to see it. But that's only if I know the rules of the game. So then I'll either turn them or I will move. And if I show them the demo, I'm not going to show them facing them. I'm going to show them a profile because I want them to see this because this is the rule. Right? You know what you made me think of? Well, just to go along with your, you know, basketball analogy, it's it's very similar to watching uh, a referee in UFC or MMA. Like they're putting themselves in the right position to, to like – to a level that the average viewer doesn't understand. So, for example, you watch someone standing orthodox, the left hand may be a little bit higher. So right. the ref will purposely go on the right-hand side to see more, right? So, like, just knowing a little bit more about the fighters you're, you're dealing with as well as the rules of the fight changes your perspective. And the referee in that scenario is probably closer to the coach in this one, right? The, the fighters are fighting they're going to do their best to obey the rules, just like a basketball player. But the referee or the coach is the one that has to uphold these rules. Well, it also allows you to predict the future. And like coaching CrossFit should be like an open book test. You should know all the answers. There's only so many things that are going to unfold. So I know that breaking the rules would be either a forward inclination of the chest, for at least for vertical torso, or a muted hip in that position. Well, then I'm going to position myself in a, where I can catch that and prevent it if at all possible, because I don't want that to happen. That's like throwing the ball out of bounds. Well, don't throw it out of bounds, but I know the rule. So when you're talking about this, like the, those, that's what the points of performance are. They're the rules of the game, and which sounds insane. You're like, we're going to play this game, and you don't know the rules? Well, this isn't going to go well. That just sounds dumb. That's a, that's a really good way to put it, because now it's, yeah, you want to play this game called coaching, because really we're talking coaching, right? You if you know the rules. Be the, right, if you want to be the mover, the athlete in this scenario, and you know, move improperly, that's on you. But as a coach, it's our job to reinforce good movement, you know, the, the rules, if you will. And yeah, if you don't know the rules, like you, you, you're doing yourself and all of your members a disservice. Right. And it's no wonder that you're, you're, you know, you're talking about a level two that you coach this weekend. Well, it's no wonder to me that someone took their level one, four or five years ago and they look like they've never coached before. Because they're not, yeah, they, they're, they're, they don't know the rules. Yeah, right. You end up in that. What was the the home game? What was that one where they just beat the shit out of each other, Katie? Yeah, it ends up looking like that. Calcio Storico. Yeah, yeah Calcio Storico. <laughs> if you haven't seen that on Netflix, you should go watch it. Yeah, you ends up about? looking like that. That's what your small group breakout. You didn't. You weren't at the Airbnb with us having a good time because we didn't want you. The but it's an it's a it's a Netflix series where it's it's like rugby and smear the queer all at the same time. Doesn't look pleasant. Oh, uh, you like, definitely can't say that. By the way. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, it's an old game. Rugby and MMA. It's like fighting. MMA, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but Kill the, the point was, Kill the it's just, it's complete. It's complete chaos. Like you're like, what is happening here? Like nobody knows what's going on. Oh, People is this the one that they're playing in? Like once a year in like that country? Yes. Like in, yeah, I did yeah, see it's that in Italy. Yeah. In Italy. So it's kind of like that, right? Which is like just like that is chaos, and and it's not productive. It People die fun. and get hurt every right. year. It might, yeah, it might be fun, but it's definitely not productive. You know, so that that's it just to make a joke on that. But the um that's I'd be like bullfighting. Like bullfighting is like another one. Right. Like well, what's the rules? Well, rules? I don't know. 
I don't know, but the bull certainly don't doesn't get gorged. know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't get gorged. Yeah. That's the rule. So, but that's the way I want people to think about it. I'm, I'm like, it, you would never play a game without knowing the rules. Like that would just be silly. Like you wouldn't sit down to a card table and start betting money if you didn't know the rules. Like it just wouldn't happen. You're like, this seems unfair and ridiculous. And this is the same thing. It is both unfair and ridiculous. It's unfair to the athletes that I'm interacting with and also ridiculous that I would coach without knowing the rules of the game. So spend some time there. And again, I really want to reiterate this. This is not a six-month process. This is 10 to 15 minutes a day for two weeks. There's only so many of them, right? And most of them have tremendous overlap over the three if we're talking about the nine foundational movements, right? I think on the high-end points of performance across one set, what are we looking at? Ten? Maybe? Nine? Five, three, four? Five, four, three? For, for how many points of performance there are? Yeah, across yeah, like the squats, a, the press is a... Yeah, the squat is five, two, and two, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I we think that's what we learned a I lot think of the deadlift is. We the deadlift is seven points, points of performance. performance. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So, um, and that you know, again, that's just from years of practice. But like Fern saying, learn the rules or or don't play at all. And when you when you learn the rules, it makes it so much easier. Like, cool. You're either you know, like like we say, Fern, it's like binary, yes or no. You know, this isn't Monopoly. Do we put five hundred dollars under free parking? Like, what are the rules state? You know, we, there, you can make up your own rules for different things, but in, at the end of the day, there are a set standard of rules. Yeah. So I, this is just, it, it happens every weekend at a level two, and I don't fault people for it. Um, but what we, if you're a box owner, if you're a coach, if you're a box owner, A, you should lead by example and you should know this, and the, your, your team should know this. If you're a coach and you don't know these, do your due diligence to learn these at the bare minimum you will feel less stress when you walk out onto the floor and more useful because you will know what to look for at that point rather than just randomly looking around. When you see great coaches who are just cueing their faces off, it's not because they're randomly looking around hoping to find something pop out to their eyeballs. It's because they understand the rules and they're looking for something very specific at a very specific time. They're like, okay, I know in this portion of this progression, this would be the very common fault. Well, if I know that's the common fault and I'm looking for the common fault, whether it be something like an early arm bend in the sumo of tie pole, well, this dictates what I'm going to start looking at. I will probably put my eyeballs on the elbow. I wouldn't be looking at the knee. That wouldn't make any sense. So again, it just it will make your life easier. Your your athletes will move better because you will be able to cue them. Um, but it starts there because we shouldn't be spending mental resources on something that we should just have at the tip of our tongue that has overlay into everything else that we do simply by knowing the points of performance. Yeah. I'll throw out two challenges before we wrap up challenge. Number one, box owners be drilling this to your coaches at your coaches meetings, go over them time and time again. There's never too much. We, we go through the points of performance and the faults as well as the progression every single Saturday at a seminar. We've worked hundreds and hundreds of these seminars that's how you learn them. Challenge number two, if you're listening and you're not a box owner, you're a coach, figure out why your box owner is not challenging you with this. You know, maybe you're, if you're a coach that truly wants to get better at coaching, you need to be at the right box to support that. And if your box owner isn't developing you, A, with feedback, B, with 
things like this, like let's go over the points of performance, let's go over the progressions, perhaps you're not at the right box. And and that's okay. Just go find a better one. Or just improve that one. Thanks for checking out this episode of the Best Hour of Their Day podcast. We appreciate you listening and choosing to have us help you and your passion for coaching and affiliate ownership. You can find more episodes just like this on all podcast platforms. If you're interested in learning more, you can reach out to us on any social media platforms, or you can visit www.besthouroftheirday.com to book a call. If you found this episode helpful for you, please share it so that we can help other coaches and affiliate owners to help build a bigger and stronger CrossFit community. Thanks for listening.